Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. I'm joined again this week with Dr. Benjamin Smith, and today we're going to continue our conversation on the topic of justice. Last week, if you listened to the podcast, uh, we spoke generally about justice, and we talked primarily uh, about a general definition of justice, along with uh, the division of relationships, which we kind of uh, brought out into three primary questions. What do I owe the community? What does the community owe to me? And what we're going to particularly talk about today is what do we each owe each other with regards to justice? Now, we're not talking about justice uh, primarily here in a theological sense or a virtue sense, but we're talking about it as it has to do with uh, politics and ethics. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, Dr. Smith, to get us started, why don't you just give us a brief recap of the divisions of relationships, maybe a, a definition that we're working with here uh, before we hop into communitive justice. All right, very good. Thank you, Jason. So, uh, uh, last time we talked on uh, talked, uh, talked about Thomas's classical definition of justice. It's not unique to him, uh, but he, he, he gives it a, a good formulation. Uh, namely, that justice is the habit of rendering what is due to another. Um, uh, so it involves uh, thinking about what do I owe uh, to others. And the key concept here is the notion of the due. Mm -hmm. So um, what is due to others is that which is proportionate to them, that which is fitting to them, given who and what they are. Um, and Thomas saw this as involving three kinds of relationships. That is the 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 due, right? Uh, giving what's due to others um, uh, uh, involves three kinds of relationships, um, and that's the relationship of uh, the whole to the part, the mm -hmm. part to the whole, and of the parts to each other. Now, why this talk about wholes and parts, as we talked about last time, the um, uh, the political community is considered the whole in Aristotelian philosophy, and the families and villages and individuals are considered the parts. And that's because um, man is, by nature, a political animal. So when we think about justice, we need to think about it in terms of our relationships to each other our and our relationship to the political community as a whole. And as you indicated today, we're going to focus on what is it that we owe to one another as parts of the community. And this is covered in the, uh, the traditional way of talking about this uh, or describing this or naming it is commutative justice. And to clarify, when especially when we're talking about the the whole to the part, when we're talking about what is the uh, political community owed to the person, and what is the person owed to the political community, we're not uh, uh, being as specific as what is the state or what That's is right. the government. Yeah. Those, right. yeah. uh, we're not equating yeah. the government or the state with the political community but here. That's important. That's important distinction there because oftentimes there's some confusion about that, right? I mean, we're talking about the community as a whole. Certainly government plays a role and a function within the broader political community, but we don't want to identify right, right, the right, political right. community with the government. Right, sure. right. And I just want to point everybody, if you haven't listened to our first one, uh, go back and listen to that one. That one is really good and breaks it down, and Dr. Smith does a great job, not to pat you too much on Thanks. the back here, <laughs> but uh, uh, he does a good job of breaking down uh, those first two relationships uh, and how we look at justice uh, overall. All right, so let's hop into uh, what what was uh, commonly referred to in St. Thomas as commutative justice. Mm -hmm. uh, what are we talking about with uh, with this idea? Okay, so you might sort of wonder, like, well, why the name commutative? I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's not one that just sort of easily rolls off the tongue, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, the idea of commutative is that we are communicating to one another, mm -hmm. right? Um, we're sharing things back and forth as members of the community. Uh, so, uh, commutative justice involves our interactions with one another, uh, the ways in which we exchange goods and services, uh, the ways in which uh, we uh, share things back and forth. Uh, so that's why it's uh, commute, called commutative. Right. Uh, the, and and I think that kind of gets at you know uh, the idea uh, you know that we we're talking about um, uh, uh, interpersonal relationships, sure, right, relationships uh, between. Uh, uh, between parts, okay, and the standard here, interestingly, um, is an is 
and equality of exchange. Okay. Yeah. So interestingly, you know, it's very easy for us, and this kind of came up in our last discussion, to kind of anachronistically read back contemporary meanings into this tradition. Yeah. Or the, the, the natural law tradition, the virtue tradition. Um, uh, like last time we talked about, you know, that the common good doesn't mean actually the equalization of individual goods. Right. Very often people think that's what it means, and it, that doesn't mean that at all. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. Um, the, uh, similarly, when we're talking about equality of exchange, this doesn't actually mean um, that we are treating everyone equally. Right. Okay. That, that's that that it's a little confusing. And why why equality of exchange? This is clear, as Thomas says. The clearest example of this uh, is in uh, buying and selling. Right. Okay. Right, right, right. So when we exchange things, like say we exchange goods and services, you know, in our own economy, primarily in terms of um, uh, cash, right, or money uh, exchanges. Uh, I am uh, like say you know if if, if um, if I'm running a, um, a lawn care service, right, mm-hmm. and that's the service I'm going to provide you, I need to provide that service, and, and, and I'm going to give you that service, but then you're going to give back to me uh, an amount of money that is at least roughly proportionate to the service that I provided to you. So there's an equality of exchange. Right. If I was to come, over, you know, come to your house, bring my truck over, and uh, mow your lawn, right, um, and then you were like, okay, thanks, see you later, Right, (laughs) you would have defrauded me, right? right? right, Because because the uh, you would have treated me unjustly because I paid you a service, right? uh, That you did not give me something uh, of equal value in exchange for that service. What do you think about that? that Yeah, yeah. Or if you were to come and say, "Okay, I mowed your lawn. You owe me six (laughs) hundred (laughs) dollars." Let me say, I can mow a fine. (laughs) I mean, this is a really expert. Yeah, I want to see like my picture painted in my lawn. Maybe Maybe that would be worth it. But it's 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 all in the edging, Jason. (laughs) It's the edge work that really brings out the extra five hundred dollars. It's the finer Uh, points of lawn care. That's right. That'll be our next podcast. Okay. Maybe. But, but until then, let's talk about justice. So, but but your your focus here on the the, the equal exchange. Now this mm-hmm. this um, this idea of equal exchange that is primarily going to be something that is worked out between the two parties, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, I think so. Uh, although um, Thomas does see some role for the broader community mm-hmm. uh, in involving this. So. He does, you know, uh, later scholastics who are following Thomas and trying to develop this talk about the idea, um, as last time I'll just use the word the king just to, 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 to make it easier, but right. the king has a role, say, in making sure that the weights and measures of the exchange are proper. Does, right. does that right, make right. sense? So that we're not defrauding each other. So if you think about an ancient market setting, very often when we're making an exchange of goods, we're, we're kind of actually literally using scales. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and and in order to make sure those scales that we're 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 not defrauding each other, right? We make sure that the the weights have been verified. Right. So actually, right. in the med, uh, you know medieval archaeology, lots of times we find uh, royal stamps mm-hmm. on weights, oh, right? Okay. Which is a, a sign that that these have been verified officially, right? As uh, weights that can be used reliably in the exchange of goods and services. It's yeah. kind of interesting. One of the first examples of uh, government regu- <laughs> regulatory action. That's right. Right. That's right, right. Which, which, which uh, in principle, it can be good. That's right. It can be, it can be necessary. It has cases. its place. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> a small place maybe, but it has a place. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, what other, what other kind of uh, maybe kind of acts of commutative justice are we talking about besides just Mm-hmm. Uh, um, contracts, you know, mm-hmm. or exchanges of, mm-hmm. of goods and services and things like that. Are there other acts that, that kind of fall into this category? Sure. So uh, in general, you know, t- so Thomas likes to, and everybody who works in this tradition mentions, um, you know, these kind of market exchanges first. Sure. Just to kind of bring out the idea of equality of exchange. Um, but uh, another way of thinking about it is, is maybe reciprocity. Uh, that is, I will respect what is due to you, and you respect what is due to me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, both by nature and by social agreement. Okay. Um, so let's go with, say, uh, by, uh, by social agreement um, first, uh, just clearer. So with, with students and teachers, I think I used this example before, there's a mutual, there should be a, a reciprocal exchange of 
what is due there. Right. Now, this is very important. This is why I said earlier, not necessarily treating everyone equally. That is the same, right? right? right. Because what's due to me for my students is not the same thing what's due to my students for me. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And we say, oh, it's all going to be the same. No, 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 no. Actually, given the relationship, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I need to be, I need to have a prepared lecture and, and, and an objective evaluation for them. Their job is to be prepared to learn and to follow my instructions. Um, so actually here we have the equality of exchange involves giving different things in yeah, that case, yeah, yeah. which is a kind of, I think kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it you know, for me, it, it really, uh, the, the whole kind of idea of, uh, kind of an egalitarian society mm-hmm. where, we are all equal in every respect. In every respect, you yeah. know that's that's I think where we get where we get into a huge problem of not respecting the differences, or even like sure. in this case, respecting the proper roles that's in right. their place. Like mm-hmm. I would never, you know, uh, treat my children as equals in the decision making mm-hmm. process of our mm-hmm. financial running sure. of our household uh, because right, we right, would just yeah. have you know yeah. zip lines and electric scooters and candy right, right. You know, like, like that's all we would have sure so, sure so and, you know and 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 you know uh, relationships between parents um and children is a good example of this again there's an equality of exchange but also there's an inequality of what is exchanged yeah, right? yeah, yeah. and there should be right you you know if i if i uh it, it, you know if i looked at my children and said okay so guys when are you going to pay the mortgage yeah. right like that's, that's not just yeah, right, yeah. to expect that exactly. of them. That it is just for me to expect of them obedience. Right. Um, um, but it's not ex- just for me to expect uh, that they pay the mortgage. Right, exactly. Right? Um, so that, that sort of thing. Um, uh, now, let's look at something more uh, about the naturally do. Right? Yeah. So um, uh, not the acquired right, but the natural right. Uh, the natural right here would involve um, uh, reciprocal exchange of what is due to you as a human person mm-hmm. that is according to you as a uh, in, in your nature as a human being yeah um now this can actually get a bit complicated um there are things that i owe to you as a rational animal okay. right um that are baseline right uh, so i owe to you um uh to respect your bodily integrity mm-hmm. um Within certain limits, yeah, okay, and then and we can qualify that in a minute, all right. But uh, so the prima facie default position, right, mm-hmm. is for me to respect your bod- bodily integrity that is not to harm you, not to harm your physical body, uh, not to lie to you or deceive you, yeah, um, those sorts of things, not to kidnap you or coerce you, uh, because you're by nature a, a, a free thing because you're rational, right? Does that, does that make sense? So, and then the, and then the equality of exchanges, and you mutually respect. M- my natural right right you know to not be harmed to not be murdered uh to um not be deceived uh to not be kidnapped yeah yeah i think lying lying is an interesting one sure uh uh, that we that you know in the catechism itself is is very clear that you know that we all have kind of that uh um uh, natural right to be spoken to truthfully Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm I think that's kind of usually one of the first things that kind of goes out the way. Well, you know, if we're trying to bring about a good end, good enough. What is it? Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. What What is a little white lie? Uh, you know, and all uh, those things. So we begin sure. to justify, you know, the ends that way. But I, I think what's interesting is that you know this idea of justice uh, brings out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of these other moral issues. Sure, absolutely. Um, uh, as matters of justice yeah mm-hmm. not not mm-hmm. simply as you know like like you were talking about murder and things like that or lying and things it's mm-hmm. not just uh, that they're not just moral issues in and of themselves but that they're moral issues with regards to justice that's right that's right mm-hmm. uh, I find that I find that just absolutely interesting now one thing uh, just gonna give you one other example I think yeah. that's, that's that's relevant we we talked about this last time but it's just especially relevant here um, you know the uh, justice between uh, husband and wife, right? Yeah. Uh, there, there are a lot of the things that are exchanged that are the same. Most importantly, of course, the vows, right? So, when you take those vows, you enter into a kind of relationship that's defined contractually mm-hmm. about certain goods, sure. right? How those goods will be uh, exchanged, and uh, those um, the husband and wife, of course, <laughs> you, you you'd want the marriage, of course, to proceed along. 
principles other than justice, right? <laughs> in addition to justice. Uh, but at the very least, right, you know, think about spousal love and things of that nature. But um, but at the very least, spousal love shouldn't violate justice. Right. That, I mean, that's an important point, right? We want something that goes beyond justice. But, you know, justice is a baseline here. And, and certainly that's the, the clearest in terms of uh, sexual fidelity and adultery, things of that nature. But there are other things as well. Uh, mutual support, you know, sure. uh, that sort of thing. Affection, right? You're not to deprive your spouse of your support and affection. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's interesting when you look at various uh, ways theologians historically have talked about that. Um, in the Middle Ages, a lot of scholastic theologians um, thought of bed and board, right, as one of the <laughs> things, right, that you would share, sp- basically share a living space together. Yeah. You wouldn't abandon living space with your spouse over a prolonged period of time, right? That that's part of um, what you're mutually pledging to one another. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that is. Now, when we talk about kind of the the distinction between acquired rights and and Mm -hmm. natural rights, Mm -hmm. so just to clarify, so acquired rights, those are ones based on um, maybe um, position or Mm -hmm. uh, particular roles that we obviously, I guess, don't come into naturally. That's right. Yeah. So then, when we talk about natural rights, those are simply based on what? They're based on your nature. Yeah. Right? That is, as a rational animal. Okay. Now, what happens if we uh-huh. live in a society uh-huh. that uh, may want to deny mm-hmm. human nature? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's uh, very problematic, <laughs> <laughs> Jason. So one of the things that's problematic about it, of course, is what do you what do you replace that with? And I think yeah. what we've replaced it with is kind of egalitarian ethos you were talking about, which isn't totally wrong, but it's very distorted and misguided, and leads to many uh, uh, injustices and uh, and and sort of dead ends. So what we end yeah. up saying is instead of thinking about a quality of exchange according to nature, right? Uh, we think of treating everybody equally, like that's the like okay, we can't quite do the equality exchange thing according to nature. We we just we're gonna just treat everyone equally, right? Yeah. Now clearly that doesn't work at all if you're overly simplistic about it. Sure. Right? Your marriage would end very quickly if you treated every woman the <laughs> same as you treated your wife, yeah. right? Um, and and similarly in lots of other areas, right? Um, so uh, I think what ends up happening, right, is this: there's this idea that there are certain things that everyone should either have equally or have an equal opportunity for. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, I think that's kind of like the the next best. I'm not even sure yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I, I, if I want to quite say that because I'm not even sure that that's correct. But but I think, you know, that, that, that given that we're all human, yeah. whatever that means, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. just kind of leaving it as enigmatic, um, uh, there are certain we should all be treated equally um at least in terms of the idea that we shouldn't be deprived unfairly of things um, or at least have an equal opportunity to do things. Sure, right? sure. Um, and now, I, I'm, I'm not at all sure that that makes ultimately a lot of sense, to be honest, um, uh, without a more robust metaphysics. Right, 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 right. Uh, And then once you bring in that more robust metaphysics, I think you actually, uh, the, the picture gets more complicated and... You get you have to get back to this idea that you have a nature to which certain things are due right. by nature, right? Uh, in your nature, um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And as soon as you bring in that metaphysics and that human nature, then it flows from there that ethics. That's right. Yeah, comes in. Which, sure. Yeah, you, you, know, have, you have sort of natural ends, right, yeah. to think about and, and and that sort of thing. Yeah, and not to get too far off topic, but I think that's an important part, particularly with Catholics when we talk about evangelization, because. Many times when we talk about uh, evangelization, we talk about, you know, evangelizing people uh, to bring them to to Christ, to bring them, you know, to the church and things like that. Primarily, you know, Pope Paul VI and Evangelion Nunciandi, you know, he brings up the point of evangelizing the culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is one of the kind of the, the main things that, that Catholics can bring to the culture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is this, not even from a necessarily religious or theological mm-hmm, perspective, mm-hmm. but from a philosophical perspective that 
humans have a natural end Mm -hmm. that they have a particular design and that design and those ends need to be respected sure that even just if we were able to bring that to the culture uh, it would have that's it would have tremendous i agree with that you know so anyways not to get too far off topic so we talked about uh the you know respect for you know the human life contractual uh ideas of communitive justice Mm -hmm. Uh, what would be some, maybe some, some other acts that would be opposed, uh, to this? Okay. Yeah. So if you think of the basic, the basic default position, right, is we want to have a reciprocal respect of natural and acquired right that just flows off the tongue, right? But (laughs) uh, again, that's the basic position is a, a, a mutual, um, respect of those rights, uh, the do there. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, often we act contrary to this and, and this is, uh, where lots of, complicated issues come in and lawyers uh, and uh, yes that's right that's right <laughs> courts of law and so forth so i mean there's just a, a ton of them right i mean uh you know you think about fraud um murder uh theft uh which is different actually a little bit than robbery yeah uh kidnapping um uh, all these uh, sorts of things um uh abortion right uh, issues of that nature um, so maybe we want to go into one of these uh, a little bit uh it kind of help illustrate uh the ideas there um, if you think about sort of murder, right, mm-hmm. which is this, you know, I guess the most obvious here, uh, murder is, is the, the, uh, direct intentional taking of innocent human life. That is an act of injustice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, as a, as a living human being, it is, uh, due to you by nature, uh, that your life be respected. Do, do, yeah. Does that make sense? Now, often in, in contemporary debates we characterize this as a right to life i think that that's okay okay mm-hmm. i think we can say that there's a natural right to life uh although we might want to qualify that a little bit uh in a minute here but uh taking innocent life right sure. is is unjust it's not what's proportionate to a living human being uh and so when we commit murder when someone when someone murders takes the life of an innocent person uh, they have deprived them of what is due to them, right? right? Namely, the respect of uh, their life, and so that's an injustice. Um, let's say let's take something a little different: theft, right? Tom, in Thomas's view, right, there is um, you can acquire a right to private property. Mm-hmm. Now, he does think that this is very closely connected to the natural law. Um, it's a little complicated exactly where this fits, but. Basically, right, Thomas thinks there's a, a natural right to private property. Uh, even that, though, isn't quite an absolute right. Uh, but we do have a natural right to private property. What does it mean to own something? I think that's an yeah. interesting question, right? And the classical view here, really the kind of the Roman view that was in, inherited by the medieval theologians, uh, is that uh, it involves uh, dominum, right? That is mastery or lordship. Mm. Uh, and so uh, when you own something, it, you know, we call it property, which actually comes from the Latin word proprium, as if it's part of you. you yeah, an right? extension it's, of yourself. yourself right, right. Yeah. No, obviously that's not true. Right? Like I own the shirt I'm wearing. It's my shirt. Um, but it's not, it's not mine the same way as my hand is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you could, I could sell my shirt. It'd be a weird thing to do, but I could sell my shirt uh, and it wouldn't disturb my substantial being. Right. right? But I have acquired a right of mastery, of control right. over this shirt. If for some odd reason, Jason, you wanted to borrow this shirt, I might let you borrow it. I'm not sure. Maybe. Okay. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I might let. Uh, I might let you borrow it. But here's the thing: is if you just, you know, uh, saw it, you know, I don't know, sitting out, and and you just took it. Yeah. Or more likely, say particularly fine edition of the Summa Theologia, right? You saw it sitting out there and you thought, you know, Dr. Smith, it doesn't really need another copy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I'm just going to go ahead and take this one because it's pretty nice. There, you are violating my right to have control over the use of that book. Ah, uh, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're depriving me of the uh, control of that book uh, to which, uh, and, and you owe that to me, to respect to respect that. That, uh, that. So that would be an act of, of injustice. You're violating commutative justice there. Yeah. Now what happens when we get into, you know, not to get again too far off topic, but what happens when you get into ideas of, of theft with regards to say like food or something mm-hmm. like I'm hungry yeah. and Dr. Smith over mm-hmm. here, yeah, you know, 40. I see. Yeah. 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 
Uh, yeah, he has he has you know a, a cupboard full of sure. Wonder Bread, yeah, and I am yeah. and I am starving. Ooh, yeah, okay, but so that gets a little more complicated. But I think it's worth th- thinking about. So uh, let me say a little bit more about the right to private property. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some dispute about this, but I think that we can say that there is a a uh, at the very least what's called a use gentium, right? Mm-hmm. That is the law of nations. So that all the law of nations in, in, in involves conclusions that aren't explicit in the natural law, but always follow from okay. the ideas of the natural law. And so you can ask yourself, well, why is it rational and just that we have private property at all? Right. And what Thomas thinks is, well, it's private property makes a lot of sense uh, because it gives us motivation for acquiring the things necessary for life. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's also a more efficient way to uh, distribute um, necessities of life. And he also thinks that it helps with respect to virtue, sure. and the practice of virtue, particularly in the area of prudence, as well as in attached, vir- uh, connected virtues like liberality, right? Which mm. is the the virtuous use of uh, extra goods and services, yeah. right? Okay. Or, or extra goods and resources, wealth, basically, right? So uh, what do I do with my wealth? Like once I've met, you know, my... What I uh, what I need from the necessities of life. What I do so that liberality is the virtue that disposes you to use your excess well. Right. right. So interesting uh, uh, idea. But the, uh, the the main point here is there's a purpose to private property, mm-hmm. and it is the preservation and development of human life. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay. Now that goal both underwrites the right that is um, provides a justification for the right to private property, but also limits it. Yeah. All right. And uh, um, that is interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, not an think. absolute, unqualified kind yeah. of right. Mm-hmm. In uh, fact, I would I would argue that most of our natural, a lot of our natural rights are not uh, unqualified, right? Uh, to be honest, right? yeah. now um, no, that you can have to go through di- different cases there. But let's say that I have uh, a great amount of food, um, and you're you're starving. Mm-hmm. Okay, go with your example. There's some excess there. Right now, under normal circumstances, I have the right to 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 take that excess and to use it in market exchange, you know, sure, uh, and that's fine. Um, so take take it. Let's say I'm um, I have extra bread just that I own, right? Thomas actually thinks that this is going to sound weird, but that your starvation and my excess coming together give you a right to the bread that trumps my private right. Mm, in fact, yeah. my, my right to private property. In fact, he says it belong. It's it's actually yours. Now that's that's <laughs> not <laughs> that's a little offensive, I think, to American sensibilities. But sure. But it makes some sense yeah, yeah, if yeah. you think of the purpose of private property. Right. Now this doesn't at all uh, legitimize you know sort of yeah. plundering and going around just taking things, right? Right. But under extreme now, now Thomas actually qualifies this very highly. Right? He says you know under extreme duress. When there are no other options, yeah. right, and imminent and death is imminent. So I mean, like this is an extreme situation. Um, under any, uh, you know, if you don't fulfill all those conditions, Thomas would say you, you can't take it. Okay, yeah, yeah. if there's another way to do it, if death is imminent, those sorts of things, right? So this isn't sort of a general license for the poor to steal from the rich. Yeah. Um, although I do think, uh, and this is probably a subject matter for another podcast. You know, the the, the wealthy among us have a lot of thinking to do about how they use their wealth virtuously. Right, right. Um, but anyway, so does that answer your question? So it's not, yeah, yeah, no, so it's not an injustice. Yeah. Right. Um, In that instance, it's it's highly qualified. So, I mean, even on, even on my part, even though if I'm hungry, mm-hmm. I don't just have a right to steal any food that I see. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I would, there would be a, a moral obligation on my part to at least first ask you, you know, Dr. Smith, mm-hmm. you have a cupboard full of, uh, um, sure. Uh, that's right. Wonder yeah. bread. May uh-huh. I have a piece? Uh-huh. You know. Right, right, and right. then if you're like, no, get out of my house. You know, like, <laughs> I, I get that, but right, you sure. know. So I mean, it's like you said. Even in that case, like it's it's it does need to be qualified. Now, when these uh, acts that are opposed to commutative justice, mm-hmm. uh, uh, when they when they take place, mm-hmm. uh, there 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 comes up the topic of just punishment. Sure. Yeah. So sadly, right? They uh, um, we're we're. We're not angels. Yeah, we're not good angels, right? <laughs> uh, we we uh, we do commit acts of injustice, and so Thomas asked the question, you know, um, how how do we respond to injustice? Mm-hmm. Okay, 
what is the what is the the how does how do we as members of the political community respond to injustice? And uh, Thomas thinks this is the role of of punishment, right? Now this brings back into view, and I think it's kind of interesting when you're thinking about it, the political authority. Um, uh, when we're thinking about community of justice, most of the time that's kind of left up to us, not entirely, but for the most part. Um, that is, you know, we we should be sort of self-regulating in our in our just relationships with one sure, another. Sure, sure. However, when that breaks down, right, it's the task of the political authority to come in and restore justice. Okay. okay? Now, I think what's interesting here is this this fits into the overall picture of the political authority has care of the common good, right? Mm -hmm. So if you remember from the last time we talked about this a little bit, the, the political common good is the just, prudent, and decent uh, development and use of basic goods and services. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that certainly involves, you know, sort of bodily health, private property, the things of that nature. And so when there are violations of commutative justice, that that uh, undermines the common good of the political community, right? And and so the authority has the the right and and, and not just the right, the duty, right, to uh, intervene in order to restore justice. And this, uh, the primary way in which it does this, is not through restitution. Lots of times people think about restitution as restoring uh, justice. Restitution is a good thing, sure. And certainly, um, uh, from a personal point of view, from an individual point of view, we should. We should seek to make restitution to those to whom we have been unjust. Mm -hmm. But that's not quite enough, it's not, actually. It's not. Yeah, it's not enough. <laughs> that's, that's really important. So yeah. let's, let's kind of get a little concrete here. Let's say, for Jason, for some reason, you finally get fed up with me and you uh, uh, assault me. Okay. Yes. All right. And I mean, whatever. Right. So you assault me. Right. This, this, you know, like you think this is too much. I can't, can't deal with your pompous attitude anymore and all your Thomism. Right. <laughs> And so you, you, you assault me and you break my arm, okay? And uh, so I, I am deprived of, not only do I suffer the immediate pain and maybe mm -hmm. subsequent pain, but I'm deprived of the use of my arm for a prolonged period of time. Mm -hmm. Does that make yeah. sense? Okay. Uh, I, I have suffered a loss of something uh, that's due to me uh, that was unjustly deprived um, that I am unjustly deprived of by your unjust assault. Mm -hmm. um, even if I'm annoying, it doesn't it doesn't give you the right to break my arm. Okay, I'll make that case in court. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. and so um, what's happened here is a breakdown in the equality of exchange. Yeah, right. There's been a breakdown in reciprocity. I am at a loss now relative to you. Right, you still enjoy the use of your arm, yeah. the use of of your body. And now I'm in, I'm impaired. Like it's a you know somewhat serious thing, to, especially depending on what kind of society you live in, especially if you live in a, a, a sort of primitive agricultural society. Yeah, um, the loss of your arm is a big deal. Loss right? of your paycheck. That's right. You know, so um, you think about all the loss that's there. Well, simply restoring my arm. Now, yeah. of course, you don't have the power to restore my arm, but let's say that you paid my medical bill. Sure. Okay, that's fine. Uh, and that you could think of that maybe as a little bit in terms of restitution. Yeah. But it doesn't make up for the period of time in which I lost mm -hmm. the use of my arm. Right, you see the right, difference? Right, right. Like you've yeah, restored yeah, yeah. me, thanks. Yeah. Okay. But there's still that period of loss. Yeah. Okay. Say similarly, let's say that, that, that you steal my car, all right? And, and and then a week later you feel bad about it. Yeah. You know, right? <laughs> you decide, well, it's just Mexico wasn't that fun, so I came back. <laughs> it's just a fancy Ford after all. So you decide to take it back a week later. Yeah. Right. Okay, fine. Thanks for bringing back what was rightfully mine. Yeah. But now I was still out of my car for a whole week. Yeah. All right. Um, Restitution and, doesn't fulfill justice. You that's know, we, right. That's and we right. we feel that as humans. Right. Like when just because something has been restored, mm -hmm. you're just. It was mine but, to begin with, yeah. <laughs> you know? and and so I'm still at a loss re relative to you. Okay, yeah. and so the way the way that this is resolved is that uh, this is a, there's a funny phrase here in Latin. It's contrapassum, which mm -hmm. means uh, suffering against. Okay, okay, that is you have to suffer a loss that is equal and proportionate to my loss. Oh, okay. That restores. The equality of exchange. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think about that? Well, a lot of like I think most 
people have this sense of justice where they understand that just restoring something is not enough. Mm -hmm. That there has to be a real sense of not just justice in that sense, but but in the way Mm -hmm. that may actually, in the right word here, punish you. That's right. That's right. You know, and that's, I think we need to kind of regain our understanding of, of punishment as it relates to justice. That's right. It's yeah, yeah. as it relates to justice and that it's virtuous. Yeah. When, yeah, yeah. when the That's... judge hands down a sentence that is uh, proportionate, right, to the evil done. Yeah. Right. Um, he's not being mean. Okay? Right. <laughs> right. He's he's doing uh, he's acting virtuously yeah. and depriving the malefactor, that is the person who did the wrong, of a good that is proportionate, roughly speaking, to the sure. good uh, um, that that this that the victim lost right, and so very often what what I think sometimes in these debates happens is there there's a, sort of a strange almost myopic concentration on oh the punishment that the the malefactor is going to undergo, but yeah. what needs to be kept strongly in view is the loss of the victim, yeah right, and and so uh, what is just here is to uh, to restore the equality between the malefactor and the victim. Yeah, by again depriving the malefactor of a good proportionate to the good lost by uh, the victim. Now, certainly, it can be the case that you know punishment could be too severe, right? Sure, that would, that, would, and that, yeah, would be, that would be excessive, and that would be unjust, right? Yeah. But we, so we want it to be roughly just. So you know, you stole my car. You know, um, there should be some penalty for that. You know, sure. should you go to prison for life? No, that would yeah. be excessive, right? Um, uh, should you just get a, a written reprimand? Well, that's yeah. probably too light. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right? There needs to be something more significant. Now, uh, in 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 pulling off this equalization, very importantly, right? This is in contemporary philosophy. A lot of uh, debates go back and forth about this, but um, this is an act. This is an act of retribution. Right. So, in a lot of um, contemporary ethical debates, uh, the questions about punishment are often posed as motives for punishment okay mm. uh, or purposes of punishment and very often they're thought uh, uh, it's it's classified as either either retributive or preventative right right or um, reformative right does right. that make right yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now uh, Thomas doesn't deny that those other things could be attached to punishment right. Uh, in fact, he hopes that contrapassum will actually take on the value of uh, satispassion, right? Which is where you you voluntarily accept the punishment, and in your voluntary accepting of the punishment, uh, you actually gain in virtue, which is right, an interesting. Right, right. Right? This is kind of goes with with some versions, not every version, but some versions of understanding purgatory, right? Right. There's a kind of satispassion there. You you accept, you know, I deserve this, and I and I. I acquiesce to it, and I, I suffer it not only by law, but willingly. Yeah. Right? yeah that's actually think, a meritorious and virtuous act, interestingly, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, when I think even, like, that's a lot, a lot of people, you know, like, that's what they really try to make, you know, uh, prison reform and things mm-hmm. like that are about, well, we need to make these more reformative mm-hmm. that's you know, true. in that yeah, way. Yeah. But at the same time, I think there's there's an element there that where where it needs to be you know, authentic uh, uh, retribution. Sure. Yeah, so I think what Thomas would want to, I think the way Thomas would respond to the contemporary debate about this is to deny that retribution is one motive among others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What he would say is retribution, uh, punishment is retribution. Yeah. Retribution is not a motive. Right. It is it. Now, oftentimes we get confused about defense and punishment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say something about that in a minute, but... Thomas thinks of punishment, uh, it is retribution. Its purpose is the restoration of justice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, uh, in addition to that, it may also have preventative and reformative Aspect. aspects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are hopeful consequences. You know, when the judge hands that down, he can have those things in view. Um, but his essential task, yeah. right, is a proportionate retribution. Well, well and I think also when you, when you talk about, you know, uh, retribution you know when somebody commits an act of injustice in the way or in the ways that we talked about yes you know if i if i were to assault you that would harm you Mm -hmm. but it would also uh do harm to the common good of the rest of the community Mm -hmm. 
you know, maybe not in a, in a material way that we would necessarily be able to, to measure or to see, um, but at the same time, uh, um, by, by having a, uh, uh, an environment where, you mm-hmm. know, this, these kinds of things happen, it's not good for the common good, right. you know? So, I mean, exactly. even when you talk about retribution, yes, there needs to be that, that particular justice that I think needs to be, uh, uh, played out between, uh, the two parties that were directly there. But also I, I think there probably needs to be an aspect of that punishment, uh, for the offense against the common good mm, as well, sure. you know, yeah. which I think, you know, we can see uh-huh. where, where, you know, sometimes in, you know, very heinous crimes, mm-hmm. they'll say, well, you know, it's not good enough for you to just be, you know, punished for this crime, but, you know, uh, in a, in a severe way, but, you know, we are not going to even let you out in society ever again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, for the common good, mm-hmm. you know? So I think there's also that, that, that more commutative, uh, aspect of a punishment as well mm. that that is brought in when we talk about sure. punishment as uh, retribution mm-hmm. now um what happens when we talk about say defense like you said mm-hmm. uh, yeah. um so sometimes you know punishment today is talked about uh kind of i mean you, you correct me if i'm wrong but a little bit of the way you were saying you sounded a little bit at the end of what you were saying there um thomas doesn't conceptualize punishment as defending society yeah. from uh uh, aggressors exactly um and, and I, I think he's right about that mm-hmm. because um defense right is sort of preventative right right so if you're trying like to assault me and i take measures to defend myself i'm trying to keep you from harming my body right does that right. make sense yeah. right? i'm trying to prevent right uh the loss punishment is reactive to a loss Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. It comes after the fact. Um, and I kind of think that I wouldn't want to imprison somebody just because I thought he might be a future threat. Uh, let me explain why. I, I, For one, I don't trust my own judgment on that matter, <laughs> right? Like, I, I, it's hard to know, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. Now, there might be some case where you just say this person's a wild animal, right? And they're yeah. just completely insane or, or murderous or whatever. And I, I could see it like, okay, well, there you're, you're actually doing something other than punishing. You're defending society. Now, you might actually kind of treat that under a different heading almost than justice. Than justice. Uh, maybe, maybe, the, maybe, maybe like the common good, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're sort of saying, well, like, like you're sorry, you're just so evil and crazy <laughs> that we're, we're going to keep you confined, not as a punishment, but just as a defense of the rest of us. <laughs> we'll try to make it relatively nice. Yeah, yeah. But... You know, humane, yeah. yeah, humane, but but we're not going to let you out. Does yeah. that make sense? You know, yeah, yeah. I see uh, that. Like the criminally insane. You sure. Know, uh, I don't know if we use that phrase anymore, but I could see you know um, that. And and once somebody who you know this is, it might sound a little wishy washy, but I think let's say you have somebody who's criminally insane and we have punished them mm-hmm. adequately, then I do think maybe the the character of their detainment has to be changed because the reason we're detaining them changes. Yeah, right. No, One we're trying that. to yeah, defend yeah. in the past. Right, we were we were making you suffer a loss because of an evil you did. Sure. Now we just think you're so crazy. But again, I'm very hesitant to want to say we should detain people because of a threat we predict. Oh Do you yeah. See yeah. what I'm saying? No, no, no. no I, I, I think understand. a lot of people might get detained, and I don't. Want to <laughs> detain, right? You and I included. That's right. right. <laughs> okay, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yes, you know, uh, hate speech or you know, yeah, if, right, if the, yeah. you know. Somebody classifies, you know, Catholic teaching as hate speech right. at some point. Mm-hmm. That could that could pose sure. a real problem. Right. Defense of society, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, I get that. I get yeah. that. How does capital punishment mm-hmm. fit into this? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Yeah. So obviously that's a that's a um, huge topic. Huge topic, right? And the way to think about this, the general approach is, if you accept the general approach that I've sort of laid out here, right, uh, then you want the suffering, the loss of the malefactor, to be proportionate to the loss of the victim. Uh, that's what's deserved in uh, according to justice. Mm-hmm. Um, now, sometimes people say, "Oh, that sounds like an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth." Sure, right? And and I think the response is yes, indeed, right? Uh, that is that's actually part of divine law. Okay, <laughs> uh, and and Thomas cites it as such. Right now, some will say, "Oh, oh, that's just a limitation on on punishment." 
Well, yes and no. It doesn't say anywhere in the text that it's a limitation. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it sets it up as a standard. Now, when Thomas looks at this and many others look at it, he says, look, uh, this de- we don't have to take this literally in every case, right? right. You know, we, uh, if, um, you know, we don't want to, um, um, I don't know, torture the torturer, right? right. right? right because right. That, that would be doing a bad act in itself. But we do want some th- some proportionate loss, right? And that's actually a just standard. The, the common saying here, which I think is basically correct, is that l- let the punishment fit the crime. Mm-hmm. When you start to think about very heinous actions, yeah, okay, uh, I'm just going to be sort of explicit here, all right. But you're talking about things like uh, murder, or things like treason, or things um, of a very um, Heinous nature, sure. uh, extreme sexual crimes combined with violence that we mm-hmm. see sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. whole families being killed. Uh, somebody re- recently arrested uh, um, in this state uh, who uh, was double homicide. Right? Killed two people one day, one one event. Yeah, right? you know, just executed them in the woods. You know, how does how do we justly respond to this? Sure. Okay, what's proportionate and fitting? And what Thomas thinks is that what's proportionate is, in some cases, the only proportionate loss in the part of the malefactor would be the loss of his life, right? Um, you know, oh, it's yeah, tough, that's right? T- yeah. But, you know, I mean, this is symbolized in our sense of justice, you know, uh, when you have this sort of um, depiction of justice in terms of lady justice, right? Yeah. You know, in, in one hand, she holds scales, right? Those scales are meant to, the punishment brings about a rebalancing of the scales. On the other hand, she's usually depicted holding a sword. Hmm. And, you know, following St. Paul, Thomas says, you know, um, the king bears not the sword in vain, right? It's not a useless sword. Now, let me ask a question, Jason. What are yeah. swords for? They're for killing. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, so uh, uh, Thomas thinks that, that, that you know, and, and he thinks that he's, he's following in the Pauline um, message here, and I'll say that many, many, many other theologians historically have thought, uh, interpreted that verse in that way. And so Thomas thinks, look, there, it is, in some cases, the just punishment um, to deprive a malefactor uh, of his life due to the gravity of the offense. Yeah. You know, in our particular context today with regards to the discussion around capital punishment, many would just simply say, well, we can never kill somebody as a punishment for for a crime, which, you know, what you said, again, this, this goes against what many theologians have said, what St. Mm-hmm. Thomas had said. And again, going back to uh, uh, what we talked about in the beginning, the, the natural rights mm-hmm. of the individual. I'm fully aware of the fact that, that uh, John Paul II and others oppose capital punishment now on the grounds of, cap, of human dignity. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, there's a couple of different things you can say about that. Um, uh, I think that, that one of the things uh, to recognize there is that um, the... You can very well view capital punishment as, as an expression of human dignity, as you were talking about, right? Mm-hmm. That is, yes, this is a severe punishment. Uh, it's a severe punishment because it's a severe evil, because you've killed uh, somebody who was made and created in the image of God, right? That is, yeah. you murdered that, right? And, of course, the scripture directly talks to that in Genesis, right? Uh, because man is made in God's image, mm-hmm. um, that um, though, uh, you know, those who kill man who is made in God, God's image shall by man be killed, right? Yeah. As it says it in Genesis, right? So, um, you know, I understand there are different ways of interpreting that. I, I think they're kind of a stretch. I think the, the, the words speak very fairly clearly here. Um, uh, the dignity of the human person, the right to life, you know, these sorts of things, I think has to be given more serious and nuanced thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true to say that you're creating the image of God. That sure. You never totally lose that image. Sure. It's true to say that by nature there are certain rights. But here's the thing. You are a human being, and a human being is more than his nature. Yeah. Um, that's an abstraction, in a sense, if you just say, well, I'm only going to think about the nature and not the reality of the real living individual human being. Sure, right? sure. In fact, we're far more than just our nature. We are uh, uh, we are a character. 
we are our acts, we are our habits, we are our relationships. And so um, I think it's kind of artificial mm-hmm. to focus only on uh, on an abstract human nature and not on the concrete individual human being uh, that's before you yeah. who might have committed an act deserving of death. I think it, I think the way that it gets translated is that capital punishment is the worst offense against the dignity of the human person. <laughs> uh, yeah. where, whereas, whereas, you know, it, it's almost, it's almost like they're equating capital punishment with the annihilation of the soul. Right. Or murder, you know, but it's right. not murder, right? It's, it's different. Uh, there's a difference between killing an innocent person, person and yeah. a person guilty of killing an innocent person. Right. There has to be both this restoration and this retribution, mm-hmm. and it has to be fitting to the crime. That's right. Fitting right. The, the, you know, the reality and, there. The, the real circumstances, the real individual. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to just, you know, make blanket, you know, kind of statements about that. That there are crimes that are of such a heinous sure. yeah. and, and horrible nature right. that that it seems that capital punishment would be a fitting punishment mm-hmm. uh, uh, for for that crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we're not talking about the annihilation of the soul, right, you know. Right, right, right. But but we're talking, but we are talking about uh, justice in this way. Um, any, any last sure, thoughts yeah, on yeah. this? I, just, uh, I mean, obviously, we didn't. Uh, this particular podcast was supposed to be just about capital punishment, <laughs> but you know, it does come up, and it's, it is sure. part of the overall picture. For those who maybe feel uncomfortable with that, I would just sort of recommend, you know, thinking about the big picture. Yeah. Right. Look at the whole here. Um, is this the the right approach to justice, as a general con- concept? Yeah. Um, that is that that we treat each other justly, in uh, by um, reciprocal exchange, mm-hmm. right? The reciprocal exchange of respecting natural and acquired right. If that is correct. Okay, and this is the ancient perennial conception of justice. Sure. Okay, uh, among both the wise and the holy. Okay, um, represented well by the scales of justice, right? Um, then I think you know you have to at least be open to the, the possibility that capital punishment is um, um, permissible. Yeah. And uh, um, and 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 when done. Is actually an act of virtue and justice. Right? Yeah. Now I wouldn't want to think that you know the whole view here is about capital punishment. Is that this is only one expression of a bigger picture of justice, right. um, uh, uh, which includes many other things uh, as well. But one of the things I, I find compelling, and I've really been studying this for many many years, and, and, and just want to encourage our listeners to think about it a little bit more. Um, you know, my my specialty has been in medieval philosophy and in um, and in political philosophy, and mm-hmm. so I spent a lot of time looking at different versions of justice. And I really think this is probably the most it is the most consistent, the most compelling, um, the one that's most uh, classically affirmed. Uh, again, both um, uh, you know among philosophers uh, as well as among uh, saints and theologians. A lot for us to to chew on there. So I hope everybody's enjoyed uh, this this podcast. Like I said, if you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to the first one on uh, justice, where we talk about uh, general justice and distributive justice. Uh, and uh, in, in the meantime, check us out at CatholicStudiesAcademy.com. Uh, you can find more of our content on there. Until next time, God bless.